West Bulls, good morning. Well, we are a couple weeks away from a time of year that uh, my sister and I, we, we reflect on this time of year a lot because of the memories um, that we have, and it has to do with Thanksgiving. And um, I know I've gotten to share this with some of you before, but one of my favorite Thanksgiving memories, I'm wondering if she's here, she's going to be so mad at me for sharing this, but we were gathered around the table before Thanksgiving dinner, and have you just noticed the irony uh, that we that we'll put Thanksgiving right under our noses and then bow our heads to pray. I mean, it just, there's a conflict of interest at times, I think. And so um, one particular Thanksgiving, we had a family member in the family um, who just, they just prayed a very, 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 very thankful prayer. And it just kept going and going and going. And I finally just, as, as a young boy, I just went, you know what? Our, I'm going to open my eyes. So I open my eyes, and I look over, and, and we're all holding hands, and I see my sister, and she's supposed to be praying, and she just got her head down, and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're so ungrateful. <laughs> and I, I love to point back at that and remind her of that, but the truth is, that is all of us. That's every single one of us in this room, because... We have something about us that loves to look to the next thing. We do. I mean, think about it. We have Thanksgiving, and how long, how long do we actually celebrate Thanksgiving? A day? Maybe a day? Now, now what comes right after Thanksgiving has actually crept into Thanksgiving. Have you noticed that? You used to have to get up at 3 or 4 in the morning the next morning. Now you have, you have Christmas sales that start at 7, 8 at night on Thanksgiving night. And I, I sat there and I thought that is such a commentary on us as individuals and our culture and our society, but I think it also says something about even the unique season that our church is in right now. Um, I, I greatly look forward to what God has going forward, but before we look forward, I think it's appropriate that we look back, that we stop and we look back, and as we go into December, that we'd actually look up at what God did at Christmas, and then look forward as we head into January. But these next couple weeks, over the next few weeks, what I really am saying is I want to take November to remember. That we as a church would take November to remember what God has done in our lives. And there are, over the next couple weeks, there are two interactions that Jesus had. We'll, We'll look at the book of Luke. There are two interactions that Jesus had that I think just tell all of us all about us, that it reveals something about what's inside of us, but it also, I think, sets our perspective straight when it comes to looking back at what God has done in our lives in order to inform who he is for going forward. And so, I know that was a tongue twister and and you're all tied up, but if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 17. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. But listen to this uh, interaction that Jesus has. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, this is Luke 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, already, we're, we're going to get to us and what this reveals about us in just a minute, but I, this verse, I think, says so much about the God that we serve and the God that we come together to worship every single week. If you know anything about Samaria and Galilee, if you were to look at a map, much of the worship happened in this region called Judea. 
Okay, north of Judea, you had Samaria. And Samaritans, anybody from Samaria, was considered somebody who just was really not of God. They just, they didn't see things the same way. They didn't see God the same way. And then if you were to go further north, there was Galilee. And Galilee just, even geographically, was just far from where worship happened. And so people from Samaria were often considered and maybe labeled as not of God. And if you're from Galilee, well, you were considered very literally far from God, far from where all the worship happened. Now, this is so interesting to me because what does this verse say? Where is Jesus? Along the border of not of God and far from God. Isn't that interesting? That's where Jesus shows up. Not just in this passage, but in our lives. He shows up in those areas that we would maybe label not of God and far from God. How interesting. And so, as it continues through, we start to learn something about ourselves. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, leprosy was one of those, it was a skin condition, and and it could kind of be a label for a lot of different conditions that showed up in different ways. But the bottom line was with leprosy, you could do nothing about it. Nothing at all. And so let's, let's put this together. You have Jesus, who's in an area of people considered not of God and far from God, who have, and he comes across some guys who have a condition that they can do nothing about. Now, if I could pull back from this passage for a minute and think about us. The reason this is important is because I believe, and I would suspect that right now in this room and any other Sunday, there are people that walk in here that think, well, I feel far from God. Or maybe I feel not of God. Because we all sense there's a condition that we can do nothing about. And we're about to find out exactly how Jesus sees that as we continue. And so, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, one of the things that you have to know about that time is that there was a requirement that if you had leprosy, you actually had to watch. It was your job to watch for anybody that would be coming near you, and you had to call out to them to keep them from coming near you. I mean, that would actually be kind of nice today, wouldn't it? I mean, if you had a cold, just you have to walk down the, walk down the hall here, a cold, cold, don't come near me. In fact, I wish some people would tell us that, all right? Or I have flu, I have flu, just hold the sign and we would just put you in your own section, okay? Yeah, we would, we would, all right. But this is what they had to do. They, they were not allowed to go near anybody, so they had to stand at a distance, When he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, the other thing that had to happen, if you had leprosy in this time, if you had leprosy at that time, this this comes out of Leviticus. There was this this requirement that you would go show yourself to a priest. If you suspect that you uh, just suddenly it went away, and that you were clean, you would go before the priest, they would declare you clean or not clean, and if you were declared clean, then you didn't have to stay away from anybody anymore. So here is a group of guys that know they can do nothing about their condition, and Jesus is putting them, he's saying to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Here's the problem, they're not clean yet. 
They're not clean at all. And so they're thinking, they've got to be thinking, well, we can't do that. Because when we get to the priest, they're going to look at us and they're going to say, you're not clean. And yet, can you think of times? Can you think of times in your life where there's a situation going on where there was just nothing you could do about it? Nothing you could do. And after trying everything and nothing working, you get to a point where you're willing to just do anything. I suspect that's where these guys were at that time. They can do nothing about it, and they're willing to try anything. And Jesus knows this, and I believe Jesus is putting them in a position to say, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I, I, know, I know you think you're not clean, but will you trust me? Will you just go? Four words in the next verse. Very powerful words. And as they went. This is that moment where when you realize you can do nothing about your situation, this is that moment where we see many people come to Jesus. And they say, okay, I've tried everything. And Jesus, I'm willing to do anything. So what do I do? And he says, go. Go show yourselves to the ones who can officially declare you clean. And they went. And they went. And as they went, it continues, they were cleansed. And as they went, they were cleansed. Put all this together. You have this group of men, maybe considered not of God, maybe considered far from God, and they can do nothing, willing to do anything, and they went, and Jesus took care of everything. You know, this is similar to one of my favorite moments to see. Uh, we saw it with each of our children. You could probably go downstairs with the children right now and probably see some of them have this moment. But the first moment a small child um, grasps what happens when you, when you hit the light switch. I remember, I remember that moment where you, you could hold them up to the light switch, and they, they just do the one thing that they can do, and they flip that switch, and when the light comes on, suddenly it's just awe all around them. They're looking all over the place. And then it turns into a game where we do this. And then as adults, we make up this story that you're going to start a fire, and it gives them a complex for the rest of their life. And... <laughs> but do you remember that moment? Have you seen that moment? If you want to know, if you want to see a picture of the gospel, it's these four verses. These four right here. Jesus shows up in a place where people are not of God or far from God, who can do nothing about their condition, who are willing to do anything about that condition. And when they take that step, Jesus took care of everything. And it was like for the first time, that light switch came on. It illuminated everything, absolutely everything. Now, I don't know what happened between verse 14 and verse 15 of this passage. But if I had to think about my own history, I, I, I could suspect what happened. Because I remember a time in my life where I got to that point, where I realized, oh, I've got a condition. I've got this sinful condition, and I can do nothing about it, and I feel so far from God because of it. And yet, I remember the first time. I took that step. He said, will you trust me? And I said, okay, I, I trust you. I will give you my life, Lord. And I discovered 
He took care of everything. And that was an incredible, incredible moment for me. But here's what happened as time went on. Well, it kind of became old news. I got very, very familiar with it. I got very familiar. And you know what happens in the life of faith? At some point, and you may be there now, or you may have been through it, or you may be on the verge of going through it, what happens is we realize we can do nothing. We're willing to try anything. Jesus takes care of everything. And then there's a shift that happens. And we start wanting the next thing. Because the light switch isn't exciting anymore, is it? I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody in here that when you go home and you turn on the light switch today, you're just going to, like, run outside and tell everybody all about what the light switch does. And I think that moment comes for all of us. That in light of all that Jesus did, at some point, we just start expecting the next thing. I guess, in a way, we kind of start writing Jesus this to-do list. Well, if you did that in my life, then you could fix this, and why don't you fix this? And, and he may very well but are we always just looking for the next thing? Are we always just looking for him to take care of the next item on the to-do list? It's probably similar to how I got treated by our son a couple weeks ago. Many of you know Lincoln. He's our five-year-old. He walked in a couple weeks ago, and here's the greeting I got. Hey, Nathan. (laughs) Do Do you remember the moment you tried that as a child? I remember the first time I said, hey, David, hey, Luetta, and I got grounded. In fact, I'm probably grounded right now for saying it right now. There they are. <laughs> and I just, I didn't even have anything to say because in my head, I was like, did you, did you really? So he goes, hey, Nathan. It's like, all right, I can't believe you just said that. And he followed with, I need some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually was still, still reeling from what he said first. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to set that aside for a minute. I said, what did you just call me? And he said, I called you, hey, Nathan, I need some breakfast. <laughs> and so often, I think that if, I, if I'm just being transparent, it's really easy for me to look at my heavenly father that way. Hey, God, I need you to take care of the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing. And that's why what happens next in this passage is so instructive. And it is so informative, especially for us, as we take November to remember. Verse 15 says this. One of them, one of the ten who were were cleansed, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. He came back back. That's interesting because we're very progress-minded. I want to go forward. And yet this, this man said, no, I want to look back because I remember what you did. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. This, uh, this raised the question that I just wrote down in my own notes. And it was simply this, do I go back? What do I revisit? Because we all revisit things and we all replay things in our minds, but what do we revisit? Do I revisit things that cause me to praise God? Hmm, Not often. 
I revisit things that make me upset. I revisit the memory of the driver who cut me off this morning. I revisit the, the moment that I felt like I was mistreated. I revisit those things. And what happens is a lot of hurt builds and a lot of anger builds when we revisit those moments. And yet this man came back. And what did he have in mind? Well, something that would cause him to praise God. In fact, it even, he goes even further. Verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, that's an interesting note that Luke makes right there. Because who are Samaritans? What did we say a little bit ago? Often considered not of God. Here's this person that society would have said, you're not even capable of worshiping your heavenly father, our heavenly father. And yet the one who came back was the one who would have been considered not of God. And it caused me to think back to my life because I remember a time where I stood at a distance. And I felt, because I measured myself by, by just society standards and cultural standards, I measured myself as somebody maybe not of God because I didn't feel like I measured up. And then I thought back and I realized the role of this church in changing that narrative inside of me. And God using this church to turn this life around. And I couldn't help but revisit that moment and praise God. And I believe, when you look at what you see right here, this is what Jesus loves, is that when we'll revisit those moments where even though you feel far from God, even though you feel not of God, that you'd revisit that moment in your life that he got a hold of your life for all of us. I think back, this church, as I think back through the journey, through the history of this church, there have been some lean, lean times. There are times I look back and I go, we probably should not be here. But when we could do nothing, willing to do anything, including trust him, well, Jesus has taken care of everything. And so why would we even look forward to the next thing until we look back at what he's done for us? Why would we look at the to-do list without first looking back to be assured of who he is? Jesus asked, this is interesting because now Jesus is going to illuminate something about our human nature. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? How interesting, one out of 10 lepers came back. And as I think about Myself, I think, wow, too often it's easy for me to go one out of 365 days, I go back. I mean, the lepers actually did better than, than Nathan does, and that maybe many of us do. They at least got 10%. One out of 365, that's like 0.3%. But what if we just took one out of 12 months? What if we took November to remember, or what? What if this just became what we did throughout the year? Well, I think something remarkable would happen for going forward. Verse 18. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? 
If you're a follower of Jesus, do you remember that day? Do you remember the day that you realized you could do nothing and you were willing to take that step and he took care of everything? Maybe for some in here, today is that day. Maybe today is the day that you realize I can do nothing about my condition or where I am and I want to take that step. If that's you, come find me, find somebody after service. Come find us. We'd love to talk to you more. But what if today is that day? Because you know what, what this says is that God is equally accessible to all people, whether you feel near to God, not of God, far from God. He says, I'm equally accessible. But what this passage tells us, this verse right here, is that we're all equally capable of expressing our trust in him as well. He's equally accessible and we're all equally capable to expressing that faith. And I think there's a powerful reminder that at least grabbed hold of me as I read this passage. And it was simply this, is that rather than writing Jesus' to-do list, what if we remembered his already done list? Instead of writing his to-do list and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, what if we remembered his already done list? I know we're two weeks out from Thanksgiving. But what if we remembered what he's already done in our lives individually, but also in the life of this church? I think that's where he wants us right now. I believe that's where he wants us right now. So write that list. And as you're writing that list, if you can't think of anything, there is one thing, and it's right there. It's the cross. The cross is the place. The cross is the place where we could do nothing. And if we're willing to do something, put our trust there in what he did for us, he takes care of everything. He says, you're clean. You are clean. So make a list. Because next week, we're actually going to do something with that list. But before, before this interaction's over, I think Jesus also highlights there's a reward when you, when you look back and when you come back to what Jesus has done. Look at what he says in verse 19. Jesus, uh, I'm sorry. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Do you want to be well? I, I, mean, I mean, sure, there's the external stuff that, that we hope and we ask him to take care of for us. But I think Jesus is pointing at something even deeper here. He says, look, all 10 of you were, were cleansed externally, but you are well. He said to the one who returned, you are well. And the reward is that this Samaritan, the one considered not of God, he got to see and he got to understand the role that his faith played in his healing. And I would say some of the most well, some of the most healthy, spiritually healthy people I know are those who understand what Jesus did for them, who revisit what Jesus did for them over and over and over. They're the ones who walk around who are truly well. It's, it's just so interesting how we're, we're just so focused on what's next, and he says, no, just look back. Just look back at what was done for you, and then you'll be able to understand God's presence as you move forward. So 
it was a few days after Lincoln decided to call me out. And I was laying in bed with him. He was going to sleep. And he said, Dad, and I was like, well, this is better than a few days ago. Dad, thanks for driving me to preschool. I was like, sure, bud. He's like, thanks for building Legos with me. And I'm like starting to not answer because I'm tearing up and I'm starting to cry. And he's, he turned and he's like, why are you crying? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. There's probably onions in your room. And actually, the way he hoards things, there probably were onions in his room. Anyway, <laughs> but he said, thank you. Thank you. See, something happens when we go back to what our Heavenly Father did for us. We actually move the heart of the Father. We're actually capable of moving the heart of our Heavenly Father. When instead of writing his to-do list, we remember his already done list. And so, this week, write that list. Because we're going to do something with it next week. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. As the band comes up to close us with one song. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. And in a season where the pull is just to look forward, look forward, look forward, and what's next, and when are we going to get that and, and see you move in this area, let us pause. Let us pause and look back. And if we can think of nothing, nothing else that you've done for us, Lord, get our eyes on the cross. At your cross and resurrection is the ultimate act of what you did for us and Heavenly Father, where that's become familiar, or maybe where that's a brand new thing, open our eyes, illuminate the room, illuminate everything inside of us to be able to see exactly what you did for us in that moment. And if that was the only item on the list, we could spend the rest of our lives right there. And so we give this next week to you. Fill our minds with memories of what you've done. Open our eyes to what you're currently doing right now and um, bring us back next week to build on this in Jesus name. Amen.